Welcome to Fertility Fridays. I'm your host, Leah Vaughn. Join me for today's episode as we explore all things on the road to becoming mama. Hello, and welcome to today's segment of Fertility Fridays on the Unspoken Cycle podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to my beautiful mamas, soon-to-be mamas, future mamas, aspiring mamas, and all mamas in between. I am your host, Leah Vaughn, and thank you so much, ladies, for joining me on today's episode. I am excited to talk about the particular topic at hand today, just because I know that it affects a lot of women who are trying to conceive. And there are so many reasons why uh, this particular topic is important for those women. And it's actually kind of something fun to talk about because we get to insert a lot of our own personal preferences into this and we do have control over it, which is not something we often run into when dealing with fertility and infertility. So welcome to episode 207, sperm donor number five. For those of you listening, how many of you have had to select a sperm donor? If you have in any way dealt with sperm donors, you know that it can be a very taxing, grueling task uh, to choose not only a sperm bank to work with, but a donor that suits everything that you are needing and looking for to conceive a child. So yeah, my wife and I, obviously we're a same-sex couple and we have worked with several different sperm banks in the United States and chosen several different sperm donors for each of us for the different IUI procedures that we went through. I will say that although it can be a very stressful, intimidating process to kind of go through so much information and compare this and compare that and narrow it all down to one donor, it was actually kind of a breath of fresh air that we had control over that process. I am a white woman, my wife is a black woman, and we were able to choose the race, we were able to look at their genetic history, we were able to see what kind of person they were, what things they like to do, and we'll get into all of those details later. But, you know, it it became kind of fun when it was Ooh, look at that picture. Look at, you know, look at what he looked like as a baby. Oh my gosh, I think we'd make a cute baby. Or even aside from that, I think that would be a perfect mixture of the two of us, you know, and better resemble who we would look like if we could physically create a child together. So there was a factor of enjoyment in searching for a sperm donor and choosing a sperm donor. So I don't want to make it seem like it's totally a crazy stressful process. There are components of it that are just because you do have to pick the right person, not just for the aesthetic purpose of what you would like your child to look like to resemble you, but also there's a lot of biology and genetics and other things that play a part in choosing your sperm donors. So those things can feel overwhelming 
But at the end of the day, this is an opportunity to narrow down that one component that will complete the other half of your child. And that's exciting. So yeah, let's get to talking about it, ladies. So first, why do we need sperm to begin with? I'm And I'm not talking about why do we need sperm to fertilize an egg kind of thing. I'm Why do women seek out sperm donors? Lots of reasons. Similar to my wife and I, obviously two lesbians cannot procreate. So you have to have the component of the sperm donor. Um, there are women who are trying to conceive on their own and will be single mothers. They also, if they are not um, in an intimate uh, sexual relationship with someone who is helping them procreate, then they do need sperm. So they need sperm donors. There are even uh, straight couples, heterosexual couples who need sperm donors because maybe the male has male factor infertility and maybe he is unable to get his wife pregnant. Um, uh, When I was in some of the support groups that I was in on Facebook a couple of years ago, there were a couple of heterosexual couples that talked about needing to choose sperm donors and the husband's Interestingly enough, which it was helpful to see that perspective, um, inserted themselves into the conversations and would talk about, you know, how it felt to need another man's sperm to get his wife pregnant. So that is something that does happen as well. So there are various reasons why someone would need a sperm donor and need to choose that. So let's start at the beginning, the importance of genetic testing. The very first thing that happened when we went to our consultation with Dr. Seacon at RMA of New York was to get a SEMA4 genetic test done. And I think it tested me for over 250 genetic mutations. And the reason why I had to get that test done was because any of the sperm samples that we were going to have shipped to the clinic for my IUI procedures were going to have to be genetically compatible with me. Meaning if I had any particular genetic mutations and the donor also shared the same genetic mutations, and there obviously would be an increased risk of our child having whatever genetic mutation or disorder that would uh, result in. So they definitely wanted to eliminate those possibilities. Of course, when you're just sleeping with somebody, you don't ask them to go get genetically tested. So most oftentimes, the sperm is totally fine and is compatible with you. I personally don't know anybody who ran into issues of not being able to find a sperm donor because they had a specific genetic mutation and they couldn't find anybody who did not have that genetic mutation. That is something that you run into when you go to a fertility clinic. The sperm has to be compatible with you genetically, which is ideal. I mean, there are people who have children who have lots of different uh, health disorders and all sorts of other things that happen because both parents were carriers for a specific genetic mutation. So obviously the clinic is going to do whatever they can to help you create a very healthy baby without any life uh, altering um, genetic issues. So the SEMA4 test was something that was required, and it was something that was also covered by our insurance, so we didn't have to worry about a huge out-of-pocket cost. Okay, now, 
different types of donors. Not every donor is going to come from a sperm bank. So I just want to be clear on that as well. There are many couples who will find a private donor to work with them at home or who is willing to submit their sperm sample to the clinic and who is not affiliated with a sperm bank. As a side note, I will say if you for any reason are going through fertility treatments at a clinic and have a private donor, most clinics will require that donor to come in to do some testing of their sperm sample and will require any sperm samples given or any sperm donations given to the clinic to be quarantined for a certain amount of time. Our particular clinic would have required a private donor to be quarantined, a private donor's sperm to be quarantined for six months. So just keep that in mind. If you don't want to use a sperm bank, if you already have someone personally who is willing to help you out and work with you and provide sperm donations for uh, your fertility procedures, Definitely ask questions about the quarantine protocol at your clinic and how long they will require that sperm to be quarantined because that may put a hiccup in your timing and the timeline of what you're looking at. So for us, obviously, we well, first of all, we didn't know anybody who would have been willing to come in and donate sperm privately for us. Um, so it was no problem going through a sperm bank to find uh, the, that kind of a donor. That sperm is automatically already tested and quarantined as part of the sperm bank procedure. So that was a non-issue. It's typically only when you bring a private donor in does a, a fertility clinic require that quarantine. So we didn't have to worry about um, having to wait for several months before we could even start our process. However, not everybody does use a sperm bank and not everybody is going through fertility treatments at a clinic either. So there are different types of donors that you may be looking for. There are private donors who, if you're not using a clinic, will be helping you at home. I will say that um, I'm going to talk a little bit later about the importance of vetting the right donor for in-home insemination, but it, there are different types of donors that, uh, that women choose um, or couples decide to choose. So first, let's talk about sperm banks. Um, there are a ton of options for sperm banks in the United States. If you live outside of the United States, I cannot speak on international sperm banks or what their policies and procedures and shipping you know, procedures and things are because I'm not familiar with that. However, there are so many support groups online that talk about all of that uh, detail and information. So I encourage you just to do your research, use Google, use Facebook. This is probably one of the only times I will refer you to social media because there are so many support groups on social media specifically for fertility and trying to conceive. So um, use keywords and try to find the right group and uh, support and supportive information for your particular situation. 
But finding the right sperm bank can be challenging, number one, because there are so many of them. And number two, because like we found out, in order for us to use any particular sperm bank, they had to be contracted in the state that we were going through our fertility treatments that we were receiving our fertility treatments in. So when we were in New York, we had to find a particular sperm bank that was contracted to ship and provide sperm in New York. Uh, here in Florida, the same thing. We had to make sure that any sperm bank that we used was contracted or, or um I'm sorry, I shouldn't say contracted, licensed, was licensed to ship and provide sperm to recipients in and clinics in Florida. So finding the right sperm bank um, can be a little bit challenging just because there is a lot of um, narrowing down and, you know, so the, the selection process is a lot. I would say that the first thing that we did was um, we looked at reviews, we Googled sperm banks, we wrote down probably the top 10 that popped up in our search feed. We looked at reviews to see what other uh, women and recipients experiences were with this um, sper with the sperm banks. We also looked at pricing. There are different types of sperm vials that you can get from a sperm bank. Some of the vials are specifically only for IUI and IVF, and some of them are suitable for in-home private insemination. So you want to become familiar with the different types of vials that your sperm bank offers, as well as pricing. I will say that there are certain cryobanks like California Cryobank, like uh, Seattle Cryobank, who are very, very expensive. And I'm not saying that there is anything wrong with that, but there are other financially competitive uh, um, sperm banks in the United States. So definitely try to find a sperm bank that matches your financial needs. Um, one vial of sperm can cost you at least $1,000, including shipping or sometimes not even including shipping. So that's certainly a conversation to have is where is your price point? What are you looking for? What can you afford and what can you not afford? I will tell you right now, you're not going to find a sperm, a vial of sperm for 500 bucks. Okay, just ain't going to happen. And even if you did, shipping alone is going to probably cost you a couple hundred more. So be prepared to spend upwards of $1,000, maybe a little bit less, but around that price price point of $850 to 1000 per vial minimum. I know that we lucked up uh, in finding the sperm banks that we chose. In New York City, our uh, sperm bank was Cryobio, which is Cryobiology, um, Cryobank in Ohio. And they were great to work for. The ordering process was really easy. It was easy to view the selection of donors in their donor profiles on their website. All we did was go online, create an account. Uh, and because we were new to their cryobank, they gave us a free membership. So we were able to view additional um, details and information about the donors which was really helpful. We were able to see pictures. We were able to look up medical history, uh, also match with their genetic um, profile. 
And it was just a great seamless process. They were very financially affordable. Their shipping rates weren't sky high. So we ended up choosing our first donor from them that we used with RMA of New York. Our second cryobank that we used uh, when we moved to Jacksonville um, for my wife was Cryobank America located in Texas. They also had a very seamless, smooth process online. We created a profile, a recipient profile. We filled out all the paperwork. Um, We were able to view the donor profiles and narrow down what donors we wanted to use. And they also were very inexpensive. I want to say they were cheaper. Their vials were cheaper than CryoBio in Ohio's. (laughs) Hey, that rhymed. But So yeah, we were able to um, find the best cryobanks for us. Those two cryobanks are not as well known and advertised as some of the larger names. But I will say we had no problems with CryoBio, all of our vials of sperm. Every time I went in for an IUI, they gave me an update of the motility of how many sperm were in the sample. And I mean, I'm talking like 30, 35 million, which is a great number. The motility was always great. And same with CryoBank America. We had, I think, our first uh um, sperm sample had like 20 million. The second one, I think, had 18. But both uh, clinics told us we had great samples and the sperm was really good quality. So we never had a problem with sperm with either one of those banks. They were very easy to work with. And they also had a, the unique option of shipping to a private recipient at home. Now, another side note not all sperm banks will ship to your home. Okay, some sperm banks, which is, you know, this is another question you're going to want to ask or something to write down when you're searching for the right sperm bank. Not all sperm banks will work with you privately in your home. Some will only work with the doctor's prescription and ship to a clinic. So you want to narrow that down. If you're someone who is going to be ordering a vial for private use in your home, you certainly want to make sure that whatever cryobank you choose has that option. And if you do have that option, you also want to find out how big of the cryo tank will be shipped to you. Different sperm banks ship with different cryo tanks. Now for me, we were shipping to a clinic that had their own cryobank facility and storage. As soon as a cryo tank was shipped and received by the clinic with the sperm vial, they immediately transferred the vial to their own storage uh, facility. So it was taken care of. But if you're at home, obviously you don't have a high-tech sperm storage facility in your kitchen or in your home. And if you do, you're amazing. We need to talk. But um, so you want to make sure to ask those questions. If you have fluctuating ovulation and you're not completely regular, or maybe you want to do a couple of vials in one cycle, it's going to be important to know how long those vials are going to last in that cryo tank that they ship. Now, remember, the cryo tank will be in on the shipping truck, FedEx or UPS or whatever shipping method that they use for at least a day. Usually they overnight it. Sometimes you can get two day if you don't need it to be shipped and received immediately. So that counts for part of that time. Um, There are seven day tanks. There are 10 day tanks. There are five day tanks. There are 14 day tanks. So you just want to make sure that you know how long your sperm is going to last. So you also can predict when you should order it for the time frame that you'll be needing it. So... 
But yeah, so all that to say, do your research when it comes to the sperm banks. Know what you're looking for. Are you using this for in a, in a clinic or at home? Do you Are you going to need a doctor's prescription or do you want the flexibility of using it privately? Um, is the clinic uh, licensed to ship and uh, work with you in your state or your clinic in your state? You know, um, even uh, how big uh, is their donor bank? Do they have enough profiles? Is there variety for you to choose from? I know one thing for us that we did run into with Cryobank America in Texas was that their donor bank was not, they didn't have a lot of donors. And because we were um, looking for a specific race of a donor, since we're an interracial couple, we wanted um, a specific race of a, of a donor who had to match my wife's genetic profile or be compatible with it. And that was actually pretty challenging. They didn't have a huge database and it ended up, we ended up narrowing it down to only three donors. Um, first of all, because those were the only three that were a hundred percent compatible in all of those different areas. And of those three, we did narrow it down to just one, but that one only had a limited amount of, of, uh, sperm vials in their cryobank. So it can get a little bit challenging, but you're going to want to do your research. My advice to you is make a list of all of the things that you want to know to check off your list um, on how to choose the sperm bank. And then once you've chosen the sperm bank, the next important part is choosing your donor. And it was almost like we were interviewing somebody like to be baby daddy, you know, so that was kind of exciting. I know my wife and I really wanted to choose a donor who would help resemble us, you know, and so that part was fun. We were able to looking through all of the photos was fun, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, green eyes, light skin, fair skin. Um, you know, all of these other things that we looked at as far as features that we thought would be most representing what we would look like together. And then even being able to see kind of what their upbringing was like, what their belief systems are. A lot of them fill out questionnaires on moral morals and beliefs and education and all sorts of things like hobbies and just kind of what their outlook and philosophy on life is. And then, of course, the genetic piece of it as well. So that was fun because it was, again, it's like vetting for your baby daddy. If a man and woman are dating and sleeping together and the woman, you know, gets pregnant or they decide to uh, grow a family together you typically don't vet them just based on the kind of child they'll create with you. It's an interesting process choosing a sperm donor because you really get to get down to the nitty gritty of what is most important in the other half of creating your child. So don't rush that process of choosing the right donor. Make sure that the donor you choose is exactly what you're looking for, for you and for your family and for your soon-to-be child. You can't change it up once you choose that vial of sperm. Once it's shipped and it's received, that's it. There's no returns or exchanges. So this should certainly be part of the process that you spend the most time investing in, especially for commitment. 
have a glass of wine, sit down with your partner. If you're doing this on your own, sit down with a friend or someone in your family who's supporting you through this and take some time, narrow down features, narrow down expectations, narrow down um, things that you think are important to you that you would like them to have qualities. Um, Go through the genetics, look through the pictures and really make sure that the choice that you make is the absolute, absolute best one. Also, something to keep in mind, like I mentioned earlier, is how many vials does that particular donor that you choose have in the bank? Some of these donors, you'll notice, donated a long, long time ago. Of all of the donors that we looked at, I think the most recent donation uh, on file for the donor that we chose was like 2013. So that was, you know, 10 years ago. A lot of these donors and and sperm donations in the banks have been there for quite some time. I don't know exactly how long cryopreservation works. I may sound like an idiot saying that. I'm assuming very, very, very long time because every time I hear about cryopreservation, it's like decades and decades and and uh, maybe it's it's endless. I don't know. So obviously, sperm can be stored in a cryobank for a really, really long time is the point I'm trying to make. Some individuals who have done that may have a limited amount of sperm on deck. That, again, was something that we ran into with the cryobank in Texas, Cryobank America. The particular donor we chose didn't have a ton of available vials. We were given the option to buy extra vials at a discounted price because he was limited in his availability. However, we chose not to do that just because if we would have... Uh, say, purchased five vials of sperm and had them stored in our clinic, at our clinic, and maybe we were successful um, the first round of IUI, then we would have had four vials of sperm just sitting in the clinic's uh, uh, cryo, you know, cryopreservation facility or whatever you call it. So we didn't want to chance that. And I'm glad we didn't, especially now with all the different things that are changing regarding laws and and everything else about fertility and fertility preservation and and cryopreservation of certain components uh, regarding fertility treatments. So, um, and we didn't want to have to pay for extra storage unnecessarily and other things that come with storing sperm in vials. So we just did one at a time. But it is important to make sure that you know how long you would like to try and how many times and kind of what your cap is on that and talk to your partner or make that choice for yourself on whether or not you want to purchase multiple vials of sperm at once or just go kind of month by month, cycle by cycle. If you will be choosing a private sperm donor to work with you rather than working through uh, a donor at a cryobank, the process is a little bit different. And in my opinion, uh, it's much more crucial to make sure you vet the people that you will be talking to um, potential as far as potential donors the right way. 
If you know someone personally, that's totally different. I'm sure you've already built a trusting relationship with that person, whether it's a close friend or someone you've known and discussed this with for a long time. I'm talking about donors who you seek out. So through online sources, there are apps like Just a Baby. There are donor sperm donor groups on places like Facebook and Reddit. Um, where you can ask for individuals who are willing to be sperm donor, private sperm donors for you. With this particular method of choosing a sperm donor, again, if you're working with a clinic, they would need to go through the genetic testing and the testing of their sperm to make sure it's good quality and healthy. And then they would also be be willing to provide, uh, need to be willing to provide multiple donations and those donations would have to be quarantined at the sperm bank. If this is somebody who you will be working with privately for in-home inseminations, my biggest suggestion and piece of advice to you is think this through very, very carefully before choosing someone who you do not know to be a private sperm donor for you. The reason, girl, the catfishing is real. Let me tell you, there are so many men who take advantage of vulnerable women trying to get pregnant. There are many, many, many men who know that they are needed and that there is a need for sperm donors. It's actually a thing. It's a community. If you look for some of these sperm donation groups on places like Facebook, you'll see there are literally hundreds of thousands of men willing to donate their sperm. And I'm going to just be totally honest with you, a large majority of those have other motives. And yeah, I am definitely that person. I have spoken with many. Uh, my wife and I have interviewed private sperm donors and in those particular settings, just to get a feel of who's out there and who's willing to help outside of a cryobank. And yeah, the vetting process is probably the most stressful there because obviously they're not someone who's already been screened and vetted and interviewed and, you know, selectively chosen to provide sperm. So you have to do it on your own. And if you don't ask the right questions and if you don't know how to pick up on the red flags, you definitely can put yourself in a situation that is very tricky and sticky. So it's just really important to Number one, write down a list of deal breakers um, and a list of boundaries that you want to discuss when vetting any private person to be your private donor. You need to definitely know what their health history looks like. Do they have any STDs? Are they clean? Do they have a clean bill of health? Have they ever had their sperm tested? Do they know if they have healthy motility? Do they know if they have anything else you know, that could potentially impact the viability or health of their sperm? Do they have lab results? If not, are they willing to go through that? Even if you pay for it or does their insurance cover it? You know, some of these are questions to ask for sure. 
set the boundaries with them. What does the donation process look like? How will they be donating? Do they have a healthy lifestyle that will impact how they can donate or what their the quality of their donation will be? You know, you need to know that for sure. Meet these people, get to know them, know them in person several different times in public settings. You know, don't just trust someone for their word. Unfortunately, I've talked to so many women, a lot of young women who have shared horror stories with me, like literal horror stories about the ways that guys have duped them through the sperm donation process as a private donor. And that's sad. And, you know, we, when we seek out someone to help us create life, the last thing we should have to worry about is whether or not we can trust that person. But honestly, that should be the first thing on your list is weeding out the ones you know you can't trust. My wife and I, and, and talking about in-home insemination and the various methods of in-home insemination is going to be an interesting and kind of spicy, different episode. I won't get into that today. But my wife and I have vetted and used a small, small handful of private donors for in-home insemination. And the processes that we went through were, like I mentioned, it was communication, uh, kind of opening the door to ask questions, general questions. Have you done this before? Have you had any successes? Have you had your sperm tested? Do you have any STDs? Do you have lab results you can share with me recently? You know, those foundational questions that were really important. And based on how they answered those, we were able to weed out a lot of people. And then it was, are you local? Can we meet? Uh, Logistically, if you're not local, are you within a reasonable driving distance? Are you willing to meet us for the specimen? Do we need to come to you? If we need to come to you, that depends on how far away you are because, again, sperm only lasts outside the body for so long and blah, blah, blah. So those were just some of the things that we would ask. And then uh, the majority of the time, no, all of the times, we would meet the person Um, And then the questions got a lot deeper. What does the method look like? What does the process look like? How are you going to take care of your body during our ovulation uh, cycle so that your sperm is as healthy and and mobile um, and plentiful as possible? Are you even aware that some lifestyle things you do can impact those things? We had to really drill it down to make sure that we were choosing the absolute right person. We went with our gut. If there was anything remotely said that didn't vibe with us or that sounded skeezy or pervy or like they were trying to create something in a different way, we automatically ruled them out. And then something else to think of as as, as a total different topic of conversation is when you use a private sperm donor outside of a clinic and you give birth, there is a whole different legal process for paperwork as far as how that person is or isn't involved in that child's life. I highly encourage you to contact a family law attorney who specializes in either same-sex couples or individuals who are using donations to conceive, uh, just so you're aware of what the laws are in your area and how that involves the person who is donating. 
Um, so those are conversations we had to have with those individuals um, about paperwork and legal processes and rights and, you know, all sorts of other things. It, it, it just becomes a very deep, intimate relationship when you have a private donor for at-home insemination. So that particular vetting process needs to be strategic and intentional and certainly make a list of all of the areas that you need to talk about. Do not leave any area untouched. If they are unwilling to have the conversation, it's an automatic no, in my opinion. If they don't feel comfortable answering certain things about their health, or about their intimate health, it's an automatic no. You know, just be smart about the way that you go about choosing a private person to help you with at-home insemination. If this person will be helping you with in a clinic setting, it's a little bit different. Some of that stress is taken off of your shoulders because the clinic will require testing and genetics and certain health factors to be determined up front. And they'll be going to the clinic and giving their donation at the clinic so it bypasses any of that personal time spent with you to provide the donation also. So just some things to think about. Um, at the end of the day, ladies... The process of choosing a sperm bank, a sperm donor, regardless of your situation and how you'll be using it, can be just really stressful, feel very overwhelming, intimidating, and it it's it's certainly something you can't jump into and and get done in just a few hours. Like you have to take the time to make these decisions and to make sure that they're the decisions that are absolutely best for you and for your partner. And for what you're trying to achieve as far as conceiving, I certainly encourage you more than anything to do your own research. My wife and I have spent literally hours and days upon days researching, asking questions, using different platforms to find answers, to find people who have been through similar circumstances. We've communicated with people online who are going through similar things and shared knowledge and experience and learned things that way too. Definitely don't short yourself in the knowledge area. Use whatever you can to seek out all of the answers that you're looking for and just the helpful information that will guide you along the way so that you do make the best choice for a, a sperm bank and so that you do utilize all of the resources that you need to in choosing the particular donor that you'd like to use because this is your child you're creating. This is forever you know, and so this is a special time. And of all the things that you do have control over during the trying to conceive process, this is certainly one of them. So I encourage you to be proactive and just, yeah, follow your heart, follow your instinct and do what's best for you. And I wish you the best in choosing who you are meant to create life with. There's a great article that you can find on the website parents.com. It's called How to Find a Sperm Donor and Choose a Good One by Emily Schiffer. Read it. It's full of a lot of the information that I just talked about, but it reiterates some really important points and gives informational resources um, to anyone who is currently wanting more information on how to make the best choice about a sperm donor. So check that out, ladies. 
I wish you well. I know that trying to conceive and dealing with fertility and infertility, it just seems like there's one thing after another as far as making decisions and things that we're faced with. But we'll get through it. We'll continue to troop through it. At the end of the tunnel is life and creating life and future and the things that our maternal instincts are craving for. So this is certainly 100% worth it every stressful step along the way. Thank you for listening today, ladies. If you have not yet, please like and subscribe. And remember, there is an amazing community of women waiting for you at theunspokencycle.com. Sign up for your free membership today. And yeah, let's keep on keeping on in this crazy journey of life together. Stay strong, mamas. Until next time, take care. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Fertility Fridays. Please like and subscribe. And don't forget to join the private community just for women at theunspokencycle.com. Until next week, stay strong.